you by naturopathicearth.com. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. I hope you're doing well. We have a special treat today. After promising for a year and four months, we finally have an interview of someone who was formerly obese. So before we bring Heather in, I want to do some housekeeping uh, things. The website, of course, is Naturopathic Earth, N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C-E-A-R-T-H.com. There you can find a panoply of articles about clean eating and about all the numerous toxins that are in our food and in our house, recipes, essential oil recipes, and much, much more. I would also recommend, that, of course, you listen to our flagship podcast feed, which is Naturopathy Earth Radio or MPE Radio. And on that feed, we talk about many, many things. The most recent episodes, I believe, are about how the birth control pill can affect a woman's sense of attraction of the opposite sex. We talked about how Propecia and other hair loss drugs are actually causing men to have sexual dysfunction. And I believe the most recent one we have is on how cavemen had better teeth than we do. So go check out that feed. Of course, we have our crowdfunding account through Patreon. So if you look, click on the episode notes, you'll find a link to that if you want to donate a dollar once in your lifetime or a dollar a month or $5 a month. It'd be fantastic and it would go very far into defraying the costs of the podcast and of the website. As you guys know, I am a teacher, so it would go a long way and therefore I could provide more episodes to help you out. And of course, guys, last thing, as I am a certified paleo-inspired health coach, as you guys know, I don't believe the paleo lifestyle is fully, um, it's not necessarily something you could do your entire lifetime, but if any of you are in the need to lose weight or you feel like you just want your diet to be cleaned or you just want to have a better wellness uh, lifestyle, please contact me through the website. All right, let's take a quick break and then we're going to talk to Heather. Okay, we are here with Heather. Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Great. I, I appreciate it so much that you've offered to come onto the podcast. I know it, it's, it is hard to talk about uh, experiences from your childhood, so it means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to the listeners. Of course. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, let's start from the beginning, as with all good stories. So, where were you born? How many siblings do you have? I was born in Waco, Texas, but have lived most of my life in uh, the north side of Houston suburbs. Um, I have two sisters and one brother. Um, I'm the oldest of four, and my youngest sister is 12 years younger than I am, so there's quite an age range. That is an age range. So how old are you? I'm 39. 39 years old. So, you know, I grew up in Houston, too, but I grew up over in the southwest side. Mm -hmm. H-Town. Exactly. Okay, so how would you describe your childhood? I had a really happy childhood. I grew up in a loving Christian home um, where my family was and still is to this day very supportive of anything that I've ever wanted to do or be or pursue. Um, But also the bar was set really high. Um, A lot was expected of us, but... You know, we're all high achievers in my family as well. So your parents put a lot of pressure, like you, you must go to college, and you or you must you must make a lot of money, or you must be successful, or you must marry well. Like what you kind of what? pressure are they putting on you? They they didn't put the pressure, but it was more pressure that that I think I put on myself. But it was also not wanting to, I guess, disappoint um, either my either of my parents. So you know, I knew. Going to college was probably the best plan for me, although it was never said, you must go to college. Um, You know, just be successful, work hard, and and try really hard. Um, That's what was expected of us. Okay, so you grew up in a loving household. Mm -hmm, Great, great. So at what age did you start noticing you were gaining weight? I was always a chunkier child. Um, I know... Probably about five or six, I was I was pretty average. Um, elementary school, I would say, I started um, gaining weight. 
Um, but I really, I don't think I reached morbid obesity until probably college. Do you remember the first time you were called fat? Mm. I remember growing up whenever my brother and I would fight. My brother and I are only two and a half years apart. And when we would fight, I would hint to the fact that he was dumb, although he's not dumb at all. He just didn't try very hard in school. Um, and he would always say that I was fat. So that's that's kind of what I remember. Do you remember what age that was, more or less? Gosh, that was, uh, that was probably... Nine or ten. And how did you feel when he called you that? It hurt my feelings. He knew he knew how to hurt me, and then likewise, I knew how to hurt him too. Right, right. So, right. so you were you were just kind of chubby in elementary <laughs> school. Exactly. Were any of the kids calling you fat at that point? Do you know when the first time someone who was not a family member called you fat? I I don't remember a, a specific time. I know I had to have been called fat because I was. Um, but I, the first time I really actually remember it is probably my junior year of high school, um, with some guys in, in a PE class, um, calling me fat and they would say horrible things like, Oh gosh, that, and not directly to me kind of, you know, I, I guess maybe more in a passive aggressive kind of way. Oh, look at that girl over there. She's so fat. You could fit a dump truck up her butt, you know, yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, the you're so fat jokes. Exactly, yes, yes. exactly. And they were, you know, they were guys in PE, you know, they weren't athletic enough to be in, in you know, any athletics class. So, you know, I'm not sure where they really got off, but um, I eventually ended up um, reconnecting with a couple of them in my adult years and got some apologies and, you know, so... It ended up well, but, you know, still, you know, I still kind of hold on to that, even though, you know, they've grown up, I've grown up, and I'm over it. It's still something I hold on to. That, that brings up an interesting point. I, I thought about after losing my way to go back to high school reunions, like 10-year, mm -hmm. 15, 20-year, and I've never done it. And I, I, part of me would like to go back because I'm probably in better shape than most of those guys mm -hmm. now, but at the same time, I still feel like they have something over me mm -hmm. and that's something that I need to outgrow and I've really never talked about that in the 38 you know, earlier episodes than this one but uh, going back to the reunion would probably be therapeutic to see these people that used to bully me now most of my bullying was more elementary and middle school uh, than high school but I do have episodes on, on my high school experiences but mm -hmm. uh, they'd be more of elementary and, and middle school but I think it would be good to go back and just I don't know. You probably don't feel this, uh, but but to be like, ha. Uh, oh, no. I oh, you do feel that because that's, that's, oh, that's a little petty. That's a little petty. No, not at all. I um, My 20-year class reunion was last year, and I guess nothing ever came of it. They never put together a 20-year class reunion. But, you know, I was like pins and needles. I was like, when it happens, I'm definitely going because I'm in the best shape. I'm smaller and lighter than I was in the eighth grade. You know, they, somebody mentioned having a pool party, you know, for our class reunion. Everyone's like, who wants to, you know, be in swimsuits 20 yeah, years later? I'm like, me, yeah. me, 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 right, you know, right. I look great in a bikini. I would love to be in a swimsuit. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's a very good point. It's like most, I think most regular weight people um, after high school, that's when they start gaining their weight because they're no longer working out or maybe they have children or, and they kind of, what they say, let go. But uh, when you when you lose weight, and we'll talk about your story and exactly how you did it, but like from my experience, I lost it when I was 17, and then I started working out, and I've essentially been working out uh, four to five times a week for the last 27 years. But you you build that that work ethic, and if you look at like football players in high school. Once they stop playing football, especially the offensive line, um, they, they don't like to run. They don't like to play tennis or swim, and so they get fat. Whereas people who were either like in track or in swim or they were formerly overweight and they lost their weight, they continue working out. So there's a better chance that they're going to be in shape than some of these people that used to bully us in high school who have totally let go. Exactly. All right, so elementary school, not a big problem. You don't remember anything traumatic? No, not You at were all. never shoved in the lockers. Uh, you were lucky not to have a name like Albert because I had fat <laughs> Albert the cartoon, so that was like the worst name of all time. Uh, but what, what, why do you think, why do you think you, did you have a disordered view of eating as a kid? Like looking back, why do you think you became overweight? And just, 
and just to stir your pot here. So I've talked about in my episodes how like I had uh, an alcoholic father and a rageaholic father, and then my mother was depressed and always was always withdrawn, and so I wasn't getting any nurturance for either of them, and so I turned to food because food was the most available. Thing that I could use to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything similar to that? I didn't. I didn't have any any experiences like that. I think in my family, food. We have always done a lot of you know sitting around the dinner table, you know discussing. Like when when we would eat dinner, we would talk, and dinners would always last you know an hour or more. And everybody sat there, and you sat at the table until everyone was finished. And, you know, sitting at the dinner table for over an hour, you're going to keep eating food for over an hour. Um, my dad, growing up, didn't, didn't come from a family that had a lot of money. So when he started making money, you know, he made sure that he got to eat the kinds of things that he didn't get to eat growing up and always had plenty of food. There was never a, you know, a moment of, you know, where is my meal going to come from or is there going to be enough food for everybody? So I think there was always just an overabundance of food. We sat there talking, we continued eating. And that's the way that, that my parents showed love. Um, my, my dad was overweight. My sisters were overweight. My brother was a football player, so he wasn't overweight um, then. Um, now he's a little more overweight. Um, How would you describe the food that was at your house? Was it typical 80s processed food, a lot of chips and Twinkies and donuts and cereals, and, or was there some healthy food? There was... My, my dad loves steak. So most of what we consumed was red meat. Okay. Um, we did a lot of red meat. I mean, we would always, you know, have a salad or some kind of vegetable. That's good. Um, but, you know, salad, we would also have, you know, these dressings that had tons of sugar in them. And, yeah. you know, I mean, we used salad as a vehicle to shovel in, you know, plenty of sugary dressing. Mm, um, blue cheese. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Blue cheese um, but we would, we ate fruits and vegetables, um, but we would also eat processed food um, because my, my dad owned his own business. My mother ran a child care center, was a director of a child care center. So we were always at, you know, one business or the other helping out. We would come home have dinners. Most nights we would have dinners as a family at the dinner table, but sometimes, you know, we would run to a fast food place and, and grab, you know, a Happy Meal or something like that. Um, well, yeah, but see, like with me, for example, I would, I would come home. I think I, I'll ask you this question because once I started being called fat, like at six, seven, eight years old, that would fuel the eating because I had shame that I was fat and that would just make me turn to the food more and it was this horrible cycle. And so like I would eat like a gigantic meal right when I got home and then two hours later I'd eat another meal with my family or I would walk to the McDonald's. I have the stories about how I used to work at a convenience store for free in exchange they'd give me free food so I could keep, you know, numbing my myself with the numbing the pain through the food and so forth. But when you when you noticed you were chubby. Mm-hmm. Did that initiate any sort of cycle of oh I'm 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 chubby and I'm self-loathing and I'm mad at myself and so I'm going to eat more. I think that eating foods that weren't good for me was probably more of a of a control issue, you know. Okay. I'm going to eat this bag of chips because I can because mm-hmm. I'm in charge and if I want to eat these chips I'm going to eat these chips. I don't care if they're good for me or not. Um I, in my household, it was a very strict household. Um, not not in a bad way. I mean, I, I would probably raise future children exactly the way that I was raised. Um, but, you know, I, my dad, you know, my parents were the boss and I, you know, obeyed them. And, you know, I could control food and I could control what I ate and how much of it I ate. And, you know, I was the boss of the food that went in my body. So do you remember, let's say in middle school, looking in the mirror and realizing, oh, I'm overweight. And then you felt bad about it. And then you cried or ate more food or binged or vomited or something. I don't, I don't remember binging or purging or anything like that. I do remember an instance in, in uh, eighth grade health class. Um, we all went through, um, we all had to weigh in eighth grade. Right. And um, what they did, I guess they calculated, I don't know if it was BMI or what, I don't really remember. But I remember that I weighed 180 pounds in the eighth grade. And, you know, while I'm around all of these other people, I'm only 5'4", so, you know, I was among 
one of the shortest females in the eighth grade, um, but I also weighed more than a lot of the uh, a lot of the other kids. Um, and I remember, you know, that really just being difficult. I don't think it it drove me to eat, but it definitely pushed me further into seclusion. I was I was already a really shy um, child as far as making friends, um, although I always had lots of friends. So why do you think you were 180 pounds? I mean, because that is probably a good 80 pounds over the average. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, did mm-hmm. looking like at that time or looking back now, why, why, do, why were you overweight? Did you make that connection? I, I haven't ever figured out a reason why. I mean, I've always liked food and just felt like, you know, I, I wanted sugar. I wanted, you know, uh, I wanted candy. I've always liked candy. I've always liked ice cream. Um, and you know, I would take food to my room and I'd eat it in my room and, you know, that way nobody would, would judge me if I'm eating food in my right, room. Right. You know? that, that's classic disordered eating, eating alone, yeah. eating in the car by yourself later on because you don't want to be judged. Yep. But like when you would eat ice cream and, and things like that, did did you notice your serving sizes were normal or were you eating like a whole half a half gallon or a whole bag of I, chips? Or I would like eat that? out of the half gallon, you know? Right. I mean, I'd grab a spoon and eat straight out of that. I wouldn't eat the whole half gallon, but I don't I don't know how much I ate. I mean, when I would scoop it into my bowl, I, I would scoop a pretty large amount into my bowl um, and, you know, put chocolate sauce on it or put bananas on it or, you know, put something extra on it and I would eat the whole amount. And if I wanted more, I would go back and get more because I was the boss and I could have as much as I want. Were you full at that point when you would go back? I think I was full most of the time that I ate. I think I really didn't. So then you went back to the food to numb something. Yeah. Because yeah. most most of us have this feedback loop where we eat until we're no longer hungry and we stop. Mm-hmm. But with people... Uh, like ourselves, that feedback loop didn't exist. So we would be full or even have an upset tummy and then we would go get more. Yeah. So did you ever like figure out why? A a lot of mine had to do with, with stress, being stressed and being anxious because, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, living up to the potential that I could possibly live up to, even though, you know, I've, I've been a high achiever my whole life. Yeah. Um, just not, you know, maybe not as high as I thought that I could do. I never felt that I wasn't doing good enough from my parents. It was more something that I put on myself. Yeah, because like we, we cover mental health in, in our introductory medical class, and we cover anorexia and bulimia, and we go over the the classic profile. And one of the classic signs is high achievers. Um, the big one is strife, abuse in the family, but like the second big one is going to be uh, just a high achiever because you put excess pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to succeed. Yeah. And then I guess when you get the 97 on a test, like, like yeah, exactly. I kind of chide some of my kids who get a 97, they're upset. You know, they go cry in the closet. And that's yeah. like not normal to be upset when you get a 97. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just trying to figure that because, I mean, the people who listen to this know my background, mm-hmm. but they don't know your background. Yeah. So I wanted to see if like if you made that connection as to why you were going back to food repeatedly when you were already full. And you think it's mostly because of stress. Yeah. You stress, were stressed. Stress and, then, and anxiety to, to they, be perfect and to do things perfectly. Because I, I even know what triggers it now is my being an ultra perfectionist, you know, I do everything that I do really well. You know, there's not, I, when I do something, I never do it subpar ever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about this later coping mechanisms you developed uh, since when you were an overweight child, but one of them is like, um, control. You need a controlled environment being Mm -hmm. control of the situation. So when you were eating the ice cream, you never, you never thought, Oh, if I eat more of this, you know what? I'm just going to get more fat. Oh, this is probably not a good idea. No, uh, being being overweight didn't bother me until it t- came time to go clothes shopping yeah. and to buy all the cool clothes that everyone else in the you you know, late 80s you and couldn't. early 90s were wearing. And you couldn't fit into them. No, I, yeah. I've always wanted a pair of Z Cavaricis. <laughs> I don't know what those are. No, oh my gosh. I wanted Z Cavaricis and they didn't make them in my size. Um, Did you ever have to go to the big and, big and tall store? You know what? When when I was growing up for girls, they didn't have that. Mm. You know, they did not have clothes for young 
younger girls that were age appropriate. So I had to go to the adult section and I had to shop adult clothes and keep in mind, I was only five, four. So, you know, they were huge on me. Um, I, I grew up with a mother that was always a size four or six. Okay. Um, so So your mom, your mom wasn't overweight. No, my mom wasn't overweight. So about, you know, fifth, sixth grade, uh, maybe even younger than that, you know, I outgrew her clothes. So I couldn't mm. even go into her closet and try her clothes on, you know. Right. My mom had the best dresses ever, you know, and I couldn't wear them. Yeah, so. I, I went to big and tall stores and it was like, uh, first of all, the fashion was horrible. Yeah. And that's saying a lot for 80s fashion because as it is, it's pretty bad as it is. Uh, but it was like, you look around at all the other overweight people and it's like everybody had this like walk of shame and mm-hmm. the embarrassments. Like I'm this mm-hmm. fat now where I can't even buy my clothes at a regular place. Mm-hmm. So I got to go to a place that has the euphemism of big and tall. Exactly. Which it should really be like under the giant freak tall or fat. But they don't want to call you that. So right. it's big and tall. Big and tall. So so you were you were pretty overweight in high school. Was there any point where your parents intervened and wanted you to go to a dietitian or anything like that? Because my parents did that all the time and I just wasn't okay. ready to lose weight. All the time. My dad my dad never got involved in it at all. But, you know, my mother did and it was mainly because she would go shopping with me and see how sad it made me when I couldn't you know, buy any clothes or wear any clothes. So, you know, we did, we did, um, a few different, you know, Weight Watchers type programs. And then we did one where I went to a doctor and they, you know, would uh, like prescribe kind of a, a diet pill type oh, thing. Okay. You were I was like, probably 16, 17. Wonder, was, it, was it a Fedrin? Fenfen? You know, it they wasn't Fenfen. <laughs> I think it was like one or the other, like yeah. whenever they split those two, the two, up and it was yeah, like one of the one was, that was less bad or yeah, something like that. One was banned completely. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I went to a bunch of them, but I, I realized at the time that I just loved food more than I loved myself and I couldn't give it up. Yeah. I couldn't give up the food, even though I know it was making me more overweight and make me help my hate myself more. I just wasn't ready yeah. until I actually lost the weight. Um, so high school. So before we get into college, because I know you have more stories in your college, any, any like like lasting thoughts about high school in general that you want to share? I remember I was very fortunate to go to a high school where all of the cool kids were also the really smart kids. Uh-huh. So I was in all of the GT, all the, you know, AP, pre-AP classes, all the highest level classes. So I was in class with all the cool kids and all the kids, cool kids knew me and, you know, they, I mean, I didn't get invited to parties or anything. I wasn't that cool, but I was cool enough for them to know who I was and to talk to me and I didn't feel shunned at all. Um, but you, you were never called fat in high school. You don't remember ever being, and you were what, two, 280 you said, mm-hmm. or 180? You were 180. I was 180, yeah, about 180 at the end of high school. And Maybe f- closer to 200 and towards five, the end four. of high school. Okay, and 5'4". And 5'4". But you never, no one ever called you fat. Well, I wish Nobody I would. ever called me fat to my face, but I was, I was really sweet. Yeah. And I was really shy. So I guess I didn't put myself out there and give people the chance to call me fat. But you were never overtly bullied. No. Mm-mm. Like the cool Other the than the, the kids in gym class for a semester. The, the cool guys in PE. Oh, you want to share that story? Well, you already shared mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. So the cool girls were never like calling you, oh, there's fat Heather. Oh, every time she walks, there's an earthquake. Like that. Nothing like they that. They weren't trying to steal your clothes to see how many girls could fit in your bra. Nothing <laughs> like that. <laughs> no. Like, I, I wish I would have gone to your school. I know, right? You had a, good, right. You had a cool school. I would have I gone to your school. <laughs> exactly. All right. So high school. So overall, not a bad experience. <laughs> you, were over, you were morbidly overweight, but the kids never picked on you. Uh-uh. Okay. Did you have crushes on boys? There were boys that I thought were cute. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking back now, I'm really glad that, you know, I didn't pursue the boys that I thought were cute because they're just kind of losers now. Um, But there weren't any... uh, There's always the boys that you're like, ooh, I hope he, you know, asks me to the dance. Um, But I also, in my earlier years, wasn't allowed to date or, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't allowed to... um, go go out with boys, you know, go to the movies with boys, whatever. I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 movies. Mm. I didn't see Dirty Dancing until I went to college. Oh, so, yeah. um, and, and it wasn't, it was just an expectation set by my parents, but it wasn't something where, 
you know, I would, oh, can I please go out on a date with this boy? I knew I wasn't allowed to go out on a date, so I didn't push it. Okay, but even if you could go on a date, you you were pining over boys, but you you knew that they were never going to ask you out because they probably didn't know who you were. Yeah. Or you you knew that, oh, I'm fat. I know I wasn't cool enough. But you you knew that you were fat, and that was probably a reason they were never going to ask you out. Oh, yeah. Now, how did these boys look? What did they look like? They were, they were... Generally, the smart guys, mm-hmm. um, but in my school, the smart guys were also the athletic guys. Okay, so these guys were in shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly. th- th- this is one of my points that I think is kind of the the shallowness of obese people is because we get mad, or we we were mad, let's say in high school for people not giving us the time of day because we were fat. Uh-huh. But if you look at who we had crushes yep. on. We didn't have crushes on fat fat boys and girls. We had crushes on those that were athletically fit. Exactly. So it's it, it's like this. It, it's 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 kind of like I don't know, like ego swallowing kind of look in the mirror where it's like we can't get mad at people for not liking us because our crushes aren't the overweight people either. Right. So I guess it's just human nature, and it, it's just tough to look in the mirror and realize that because either the actions of our family, like in my case, and not being able to stop the food, that we led to a point where we got overweight, where we were essentially invisible to the opposite sex. Mm. Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to, to kind of see that. All right. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to talk about Heather's college years. And we're also going to talk about how she ended up losing her weight. We are back here with Heather. So, Heather, let's talk about your college year. So, you said you were about 200 pounds uh, by the time you graduated. Uh, what what happened the next four years? Where did you go to school? I graduated from Texas A&M. Oh, okay, great. So, how would you describe your college years? My college years, um, my weight probably fluctuated from about 212 to 240, 250, mm-hmm. and, and kind of all around in there. Um, I... Would gain some weight, lose some weight, you know. Um, a lot of it had to do with, you know, drinking. I definitely did my share of drinking in college. Um, and I like to, you know, go out and meet people um, and and talk to people. Even though I was overweight, um, I still felt like, you know, there were still people that were interested in, in getting to know me because I was really fun and really funny and, you know, entertaining and... Um, always a trip. Now, I didn't really date any guys in college. Um, you were kind of like the good, fun sidekick. Like, if you look at a lot of those high school movies, there's always like the fat guy or the fat yes. girl that brings the comic relief. Like, Melissa McCarthy is a great example of so many movies like Bridesmaids, where she's like the fat the fat sidekick brings in the, the, the humor. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. I was always the one who was really good at meeting people, too. Mm. So, you know, I would go and I would meet people, guys, girls, whomever, and then they would end up, you know, really liking, you know, my friends and right. wanting to date my friends. And you made that connection at that point. It was because you were overweight. Mm-hmm. Were, exactly. you, were, were you ever mad at these guys for that? Or you just kind of understood by that point? That's I, just I the way I the was, world is. I, I was hurt yeah. by it. Um, it made me really sad because, you know, I had friends that would, you know, start dating this guy and then, you know, completely fall off the face of the earth because, you know, they're completely enthralled in their relationship with whatever guy, not necessarily one I brought around, just whatever guy. And so then, you know, I was on my own again. So I went and found new friends, new people to hang out with. And then, then whenever those people found, you know, people that they liked hanging out with more then I would go find other friends to hang out with and went back to some old friends. So, um, it was all just kind of a, a, a cycle of, of friends, and then later became a cycle of being the this sole single person, you know, all, all by yourself, like, er, like the, Eric, and, the Eric Carmen song, exactly. all by myself. <laughs> Don't want to be. All right. So then, uh, anything else interesting happened in college? Now you lost your weight later on, like around thirty, thirty-one. So uh-huh. what are the, any other unique experiences? I, like for example, in college, did you did you ever think at that point? I'm never going to kiss anybody or I'm never going to have sex. Or like, when did you have your first kiss? Do you know when you had your first kiss? I had my first kiss my sophomore year in college. Okay. And um, all throughout college, um, after that, I, I kissed a lot of 
random strangers. Okay. And um, I kissed a lot of people, but it was, you know, just, you know, random. What? We, we call it random mugging at yeah, A&M. Because that's what you would do whenever the lights went out at the midnight yell. Okay, but you didn't have like a boyfriend at that point. These are just like guys you just were kissing, no, but no, no relationships. I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah, later on. Okay, well let's let's get to that point. So, what else happened in your twenties? Anything else? Um, my twenties were really just more of uh, trying different weight loss programs to try to lose weight to become more desirable, so I wouldn't still be the single friend um, after you know one group runs off and gets married, then I move to a younger group, and then they run off and get married, and then I move to a younger group, and, you know, I, I eventually, you know, was the, you know, 30-something hanging out with 20-somethings, because they're the only people that I knew who weren't married and running off and having kids and families and everything. So, th- so was there ever a point where you felt like, oh, I'm never going to get married, I'm never going to have kids? Because I had talked about that. Now, I lost my weight when I was 18, but... 17, 16, when I was at my, my most depressed, when I was cutting and considering killing myself, I, one of the reasons I was so depressed is like, I'm never going to kiss a girl. Um, I'm never going to have sex. I'm never going to get married. Did, you, did, did any of those things cross your mind at the apex of your obesity? I mean, you already kissed somebody, but let's say marrying, have sex, like be like normal people, as they say. I, I was never concerned with with never getting married, never having sex, because I knew that that was, you know, part of, of God's plan for my life. So I, I had faith that, you know, that was eventually going to happen, but I just thought it happened sooner than it did eventually. Okay. Okay. Anything else about your 20s before we move on to your, your lap band? Nope. Okay, so 30, 31, how, how overweight were you at that point? I had gotten up to 327 pounds. Wow. Um, I had um, gained weight slowly. I'd worked a, a really stressful job in the petrochemical industry. And um, all of my family had moved from Houston to San Antonio. So I was there by myself um, for, you know, five or six years. Um, I had plenty of friends, but, you know, my family was gone. Um, very stressed at work, so I would just eat. So I... Um, One day, I went uh, on a cruise with a few of my girlfriends. We went to these amazing tropical islands in the Southern Caribbean and, you know, took all kinds of pictures. Well, when we got back, we, of course, looked at all of the pictures, and everyone else looked great, and I saw myself, and I was completely terrified with what I saw. Overweight people, we don't like to take a lot of pictures of ourselves, and then we never like to look at the pictures because we want to be in denial about how overweight we are. Exactly. Or, you know, crop it, because I've always had a pretty face. You know, I've, I've always looked good from the neck up. Um, Do you, you know. have a lot of pictures of yourself from high school, college? Because I have one. And that's that it. was back before cell phones. Um, I have a lot of. I do have a lot of pictures of myself from okay, college. Do. I don't have a lot from high school. Um, I have a lot from college um, because it got a little easier with digital cameras and and everything. Um, but but you didn't go out of your way not to be in pictures. No. Okay. Yeah. No. I went, when I was in high school, I went out of my way. That's why I literally only have one picture. There's a picture of me on the website where I'm wearing this red shirt and I'm next to my mom and my dad. I was probably like 15, 16. That's literally the only picture of Fat Albert on the place, on the face of the planet. Really? I think that was completely intentional because, like, again, when you're overweight, and again, you and I had some, you know, similar but different experiences. Why would you want there to be pictures yeah. of you to remind you about how, you know, how much of a, you know, effing piece of poop you are? From my, my point of view, I'm not saying that, of course, about you, but yeah. that's the way I looked at it, and it just brought more shame and so forth. So I'm like, why am I going to take pictures and then want to look at those, those pictures to remind me about how horrible of a person I was, and that would just increase the self-loathing? You know what? I, I never, and I've had this conversation with my sisters, who are also overweight, um, who have lost now, and I, looking back at pictures, I never in my mind thought of myself as being as large as I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back yeah. at pictures and I'm like, wow, I do not remember looking like that, right. you know? And I, if I did remember, I wouldn't have ever allowed myself to be in pictures. Um, but I think that I've always had a positive self-image and then also had, had a family that had always told me, you know, you're, you're beautiful and, you know, it's not just what's outside, it's what's inside too. So you they know? wouldn't tell you, oh, you're beautiful, but honey, Heather, if you could just lose some weight, not you would all. find the best husband ever. Not at all. No. Like I, I was blessed to have the amazing So it wasn't the conditional love. Not at all. No. Talk about the, the lap band. So wh- why, what, what happened to precipitate the actual surgery? 
Well, I went on the cruise in November of 2010 and um, saw the picture. So I'd been thinking about it for a while. In January, February of 2011, I was um, going to Walmart and I had excruciating back pain, sciatica, and I needed to ride a motorized cart. Mm. Around Walmart yeah. at, you know, 31, yeah. 327 pounds. Yeah. And um, I knew I was going to end up, you know, on one of those, you know, people of Walmart websites or something like that. So um, I, I think that was the turning point um, where I decided, okay, I need to do something about this. I mean, I've tried to do something about it with, I've tried, you know, every diet plan, every meal plan. And I'm the kind of person where, I want to see results and I want to see them fast because, you know, You're like I said, I'm a perfectionist. Right. Exactly. When I do things, I do things well. And whenever I'm not losing, you know, a pound a day, which is crazy, um, then, you know, I'm not doing this well enough and I need to go do something else to that I can, you know, be a better achiever at. Okay, so then you went to a surgeon and... Mm -hmm. I went to a surgeon. Um, I was pay out of pocket at the time, so I didn't have to go through... I did have to go through a psych evaluation, Hmm. um, but it's not like it meant one thing or another. They were going to get my, you know, 15,000 either way. Right, Um, right, right. Yeah, just to go on a side note, my my ex-wife used to do psych evals. She's a psychologist. She used to do psych evals for people who are going to get bariatric surgery. And uh, she would tell me it's like it was all rubber stamping because again the the, yeah. care, the bariatric surgeons want the money so exactly. unless there's like a glaring red flag pretty much everyone is going to pass the psyche valves yeah, yeah you know who who doesn't want a, an extra fifteen grand right um, so I uh, went through the processes learned how I was going to eat after um, went through a pre-op diet of about two weeks to shrink my liver and then went in um, and had the lap band in March of 2011. Okay, so what what were the instructions they gave you how you were supposed to eat post-lap band? Um, Just for people who don't know yeah. how that works. Yeah, you, you have to eat um, basically, you know, whole foods in their most natural state, um, you know, uh, Meats. They want you to eat lower fat meats. Um, they want mm. you to eat uh, vegetables. Um, they want you to eat not really a lot of carbs. They don't want you to eat bread or rice um, because if you eat that, then it expands in your pouch and ends up getting stuck, um, which is the absolute worst feeling in the world. Something getting stuck. I could feel food going from my upper pouch past my band into my lower stomach and um, eventually got to a point where it was horrible. What about like frequency? How often did they want you to eat? What were the size of the meals? Mm -hmm. They wanted you to eat three times a day um, and meals that were generally about half a cup to a cup of food. So pretty small. Chewed really well. Okay, so pretty small. Mm -hmm. Okay, so did you start seeing results pretty fast? I lost 75 pounds within about six months. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yep. And then my band got too tight, Uh and I started gaining, and then I could only get foods that were not good for me, like crackers and cookies and things like that, to go down Um, if any time I would eat vegetables or chicken or anything that was good for me, um, it would get stuck, and I would end up having to to vomit it up because it would not go from my upper pouch to my lower pouch. So you could actually feel it getting stuck in Mm -hmm. your stomach? Yep. I could feel it. crazy. And I could make myself vomit enough to get it out um, so that I could eat something else that would go down. Were there any prohibitions on alcohol or anything like that? Not, I mean, of course they don't want you to drink alcohol because it's empty calories, but with that surgery, not not so much because um, you still had a normal stomach. Okay. Um, it's just, once it got past the upper pouch to the lower pouch, it was just like anyone else drinking alcohol. But most of the time you didn't have a lot of food in your stomach to, you know, help you with the over... Um, drunkenness. So you lost. Let's so let's say three four years after the lap band. Where were you in terms of weight? Uh, three or four years after lap band, I had probably put on. I'd gone through a cycle of putting on, you know, fifty pounds and then losing twenty more, and then hmm. putting on thirty pounds and then losing forty more, and then putting on ten pounds and losing, you know, twenty more. So I was about. Uh, 25 pounds total lost. So I was about two, 
90, uh, I guess that's about 35. So I was about 290 um, right before I ended up having my band removed. Okay, so the band didn't really do much. So how many years were you on the band before you got off the band? I had the band for, I've, I've, I had the revision in December 2016. So four so, years? Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, so four years, uh, you net loss of maybe about 20, 25? Mm-hmm, okay. exactly. Then what happened? Um, then I was having um, such issues with, with acid reflux, not being able to eat foods that were good for me. Um, so I went in to talk to somebody about removing my band. But I was, you know, worried if they removed my band, then, you know, I just go back to life the way that it was before. Right, right. So I um, had the band removed and had a gastric sleeve uh, performed all in one surgery. So can you explain the difference to people? Like, what's a sleeve? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a band is just a... a plastic band um, that is put around the upper part of your stomach. It makes a little a little pouch about the size of your thumb. And um, it is adjustable through a port that was in my abdominal wall. So I would go in for adjustments every two or three months where the doctor would stick a needle into the port and either put liquid in or take liquid out to make the band um, tighter or looser. But when, you know, that time of the month came around, um, things like that, then my stomach would naturally swell. So my band would just be extremely tight and I couldn't eat anything. So I had to go get a liquid taken out. And then when that was over, then my stomach would shrink back down and, you know, I would be too loose and would be able to eat anything and would never get full. What about the sleeve? How does the sleeve work? Now the sleeve, um, they actually remove part of your stomach, including the portion of your stomach that um, produces ghrelin, mm-hmm. which ghrelin. Ghrelin. Wh- what the, is it called? Ghrelin? Ghrelin, yes. The, the hunger hormone. The hunger hormone, yeah. exactly. They remove that part of your stomach. Um, so you're you're not hungry at all um, most of the time. Um, and it ends up li- with a sleeve of a stomach that is, they say it's about the size of your thumb. I think it's probably a little bigger than that. Well, my thumbs are really small, so. Um, But uh, with the sleeve, they want you to eat the same way they told me to eat before the um, band. But this time, you know, I didn't have any problems eating food that was good for me. And I also didn't have, you know, the extreme hunger where, okay, I've got to get something in my stomach, whether it's cookies or crackers or whatever. I don't care because I'm starving. I didn't have that. So, so you lost weight under the sleeve. Mm -hmm. So how much did you lose? I didn't have the, I didn't have the cravings um, for anything. I could really care less about food. So how much did you lose? Um, Total overall from the beginning, I've lost 163 pounds. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. So that was mostly the sleeve doing that. You know what? I would say it's mostly the sleeve, and yes, the sleeve helped, but um, when about a year ago, which was about three or four months after getting the sleeve, I really upped my workouts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I started with three days a week, 30 minutes doing some walking. And, you know, I upped it to three days a week, 45 minutes. And then eventually I got up to about 14 hours a week of working out, um, doing, you know, group fitness classes or, you know, running or something. And once I started with that, um, that really, I really saw the weight fall off. And then I saw my body transform. Sure. Yeah, and that just gave you more like momentum. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then when I, when I started dating, um, I started dating probably about March of 2017. Okay. Um, and I, I dated quite a few, um, quite a few guys. Look at that. The Ooh. majority of San Antonio. <laughs> no, and I um, I started dating people, and that also gave me the motivation, you know, sure. to get fit and to look better, you know, so that, you know, I could broaden the people who actually wanted to date me. Well, let's, well that, that's important, too, mm-hmm. for sure. Let's talk about the, like, the remnants. Now, when I had lost my weight, I lost about 106 months, so... I had what I call the bloopy, and the bloopy is like that loose skin that hangs from the abdomen. So if I were ever was like in a push-up position, I'd have like this drape, mm-hmm. and then I would have stretch marks, and I'd have stretch marks on the underside of my arm. So after you had lost all your weight, you probably had some of that loose skin stuff, right? Oh yeah, I had yeah. I had crazy abdominal loose skin. Yeah. Um, I had loose skin on my arms. Um, 
loose skin on my legs, but my legs, I have lipedema. I have lipidemic legs. So my legs have always held a lot of fat. I've always had a bigger butt, bigger legs. Um, so I haven't had um, any surgery on my legs yet, but that's my next. Okay, but you did have surgery. I did. Okay, mm-hmm. so what, what, what have you done? Or? I had a lower body lift, which is where they, they cut all the way around your lower body. Um, kind of do like an abdominoplasty, a, a tummy tuck, but also lift up your, your butt as well. Hmm. Um, and my doctor, whenever he lifted up my butt, he actually folded the love handles down into my butt hmm. to give me still projection a in my more, butt. A little more booty. Where, exactly. So I didn't have a flat butt. Um, I've never had a flat butt in my life. I've always had a Use the butt, fat so. for good. Exactly. Use the fat for good instead of evil. Um, so, <laughs> and then I had um, a brachioplasty, which is an arm lift. Because you had saggy arms? Mm-hmm. I had oh. really big arms. That's right. that's where I've always held. I've never held my weight in the middle like, mm-hmm. like most overweight people do. I've always had big legs, big arms. So I had a brachioplasty with a J-plasty. And J-plasty is where they like take care of the bra line fat. It comes mm-hmm. down and around your bra line. So that's great. So you've seen a big difference, I'm Huge imagining, after the surgery. Huge difference. And a really big difference um, in doing exercises like yoga, you know, where mm. my fat or my fat rolls would always, you know, get in the way mm. before of being able to do certain positions and certain, you know, flexibility um, things um, where I don't have to deal with that anymore. Okay, Clothes. So, so, so where, where are you now? Weight-wise? Yeah. 162. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And you've done the surgeries, mm-hmm. and you're, you're happy with the way you look? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you told me previously before we got on air, like, you're wearing bikinis again, yep. and you're loving No, I'm that. wearing bikinis for the first time in my life. First Not time. again. Okay. I've okay. never worn a bikini. <laughs> so, so what's the, like, like, I know, I probably went... 15 years after my weight loss where I would wear a shirt Mm. to the pool. Like I would wear a shirt when I was fat because I thought like the shirt would make me not look as fat, which is really ridiculous. But I would still wear a shirt because I was ashamed of my bloopy. And then about four years ago, I just said, F it. And I don't care. Now I run without a shirt. I go to the pool without a shirt. So when, after the weight loss and even after the surgery, like when you go in public, Mm -hmm. do you feel like people know you used to be fat? Are you self-conscious? Do you have the fat person in a skinny body syndrome that a lot of people who've lost their weight feel? How do you feel? Not, not in, in the way that I'm worried or I even care if people ever thought that I was fat or, you know, I don't get, I, I'm proud to share how I lost the weight. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to share, you know, my journey with people. Because As demonstrated in this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, I've worked hard at it. You know, right. weight loss surgery, everyone thinks is the easy way out. You still have to work really I've, hard. I've mentioned the stats that it's something like 85% of people who lose more than 50 pounds yep. regain it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. You, sh- you should be proud. We both should be proud of of losing the weight. But when you go out in public, you're, you're not like, oh, everyone knows I'm, I'm a fat guy. I'm Mm-mm. a fat woman. And the, the only time it gets me is when I go clothes shopping. Um, I'll, I have gravitated towards the size large shirts or the size, yeah, you right, know, 12 right, or 14 right, pants, right. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's not, you know, where I'm at. I'm in a small shirt and I'm in a, you know, size eight pant or six pant, you know, dress wise. Um, so I, I have a hard time with looking at clothes and saying, yes, I could actually wear that because I'll look at something wear and say, there's something no way I can fit in that. You know? Where you want to wear something form-fitting because I went years wearing baggy clothes after, right? Because it's like, I now you didn't seem to have the imposter syndrome, but I did. I felt like a fat guy in a skinny person's body mm-hmm. for like years. Uh, but yeah, I would still wear baggy clothes. And then like my brother, who's very fashionable, he's like, no, you got to wear form-fitting. Every, you, that's how, yeah. People look best, even if they're overweight, Agreed. in form-fitting clothes. So you have that tendency to buy still big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, although I would go try it on and it wouldn't fit. I've always worn form-fitting clothes, even whenever I was bigger. I've always mm-hmm. worn form-fitting clothes. Um, again, I, I always thought in my mind that I was smaller and thinner than I actually was. So, um, But I, I would try it on in the fitting room and end up having to go back out. Nothing fits. So go back out. Okay, let's try this again. Let's try this with mediums, you know. Mm-hmm. Try mediums on and, you know, about 20% of them would fit. Okay, let's try it with smalls, you know. And it would frustrate me to not be able to shop in, in some of the larger stores like Torrid and Lane Bryant. I used to love those stores. Those were, were where I got my, you know, first fashionable clothes. And it made me sad for a while to not shop there, as crazy as that sounds. Hmm. That's strange. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, do you, do you feel like, is, is, is it, do you have a big fear that you're going to gain your weight back? I 
don't. Um, I am kind of hyper vigilant about what I eat mm-hmm. and working out. Um, I went through, I had my uh, skin removal surgery at the end of January. And then um, I went through a really rough 10 week recovery with that um, where I couldn't work out. Um, six weeks of it, I really wasn't supposed to get out of bed and walk anywhere. Um, and then um, about three weeks ago, I had a hysterectomy um, because they found um, that I had crazy fibroids and a really big uterus um, in my skin removal surgery. So I had that. So over the past four months, I've been able to work out about three weeks. Yeah. And that, it scares me a little bit, yeah. um, especially after all those surgeries because bloating and everything, I was actually larger than I was before I had the different surgeries. Um, so I think part of me psychologically freaked out sure. about that. Sure. Yeah. But I, I've never been worried that I'm going to gain it back because I know how to keep it off now. You know, I know what I should eat and I try to go through and make more good decisions, the bad decisions every day and just take my life day to day doing that. I mean, there are days when, you know, I fall off completely, but fortunately because of this sleeve, if I eat something that has a lot of sugar in it, it will make me physically very sick. And I think that, that, that is good. Like people who lost the weight in like the normal way, like I did, we don't have that kind of thing to stop us. Mm -hmm. So if we're having a bad day or we want to emotionally eat or something triggers us, we can go and eat the gallon of ice cream and three bags of Cheetos and four Big Macs. So it is kind of good that you have that in there to, to, stop you. But like from my experiences, yeah, it was always my, my, my worry. I was always petrified about getting the weight back because I knew what life was like before, not just being invisible to the opposite sex and having an early, early death, you know, shorter life expectancy. And I was always worried that if I, I would never want to go back. It's kind of like that, that novel flowers for Algernon, mm-hmm. which is about a guy who takes, he's like mentally, he's, I guess, uh, special ed. And then he takes some experimental drug and it makes him not just normal, but he becomes brilliant. And then he becomes really arrogant and rude to people, but he, but he falls in love. And then the drug wears off and he slowly goes back to the way he was and he realizes he's going back. And that's kind of what I always worried about. It's like, I know what life was like, uh, like what a normal person would have being able to date normal people, quote unquote, and not be invisible. And like that, that was always my fear is like going back to that invisibility and being, and being mocked because let's face it, overweight people are treated differently oh, yeah. than, than regular people. They're typically seen as more incompetent. You know, there's studies showing that. And, uh, yeah, so definitely that's something that I worried about, but you, you're not really too worried about that. I'm not worried about it. I, I again, I can control it. Yeah, <laughs> I know how good. to do it. You and, know. And what's the deal with the sleeve? Do you have to get that fixed or altered like every mm-hmm. so many years? Or no, no. Uh-uh. Now you, if you eat consistently large meals, you can stretch it out. You know, back almost to the size of a of a normal stomach. So, mm. you know, you have to make sure and and keep small amounts and not eat. You know, many times a day. I, I eat twice a day and try to do it like in a one hour window. You know. 10 to 12 hours apart. Um, so you're doing a form of fasting, exactly. like a compressed eating window? Exactly. So you, you skip breakfast or do you skip dinner? What I you skip do? lunch. You skip so lunch. So I eat breakfast and then I eat dinner. So like 8 a.m., 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you're doing two 12-hour fasts yes. a day. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, anything else? Um, coping mechanisms that you developed from when you were fat. Like I talk about in my most recent episodes how I need to control my environment, you know, because I wasn't able to control the environment as a kid because of my father and my mother. And so I need to be able to control like my house. It needs to be tidy. I get anxious if it's not tidy. I have to be like on a routine, like at school. I like school because everything is 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 in routine. And when I'm not in a situation where I'm in control of the environment, I get anxious. And I noticed that was a coping mechanism that I developed uh, as a fat kid because nothing, I, I, could, I couldn't control anything. You know, everything was just so random in terms of my family and them being bullied. Did you notice any coping mechanisms that you developed as a kid that you still have today that you're working on? I think really the only, the only way I cope has to do with my, um, my eating and my planning my meals out. Like I, I pre-plan the day, the next day on the evening before, you know, I say, I'm going to eat this, this, and this all day long and go ahead and make sure, you know, my macros are balanced and, you know, I have the right amount of protein to fat to carbs. 
And, you know, I know, you know, I go through what's in my refrigerator and what I have at home or, or if I'm going to go out to eat um, somewhere and go ahead and pre-plan everything. That's good. Um, so you're never like tempted to go, oh, I have nothing planned. I'm going to go to Whataburger. Exactly. That's good. Exactly. That's really and good. now I'll go to Whataburger sometimes, but what I'll do is, you know, it's, it's a math game. It's like, okay, what do I have to remove so that I can put this in so that my macros are still balanced in the right way before I eat it? I'm going to go, you know, put it all in, you know, my fitness pal and make sure that, you know, everything's balanced the way that it should be. Good, good. So. And that's it? No other coping mechanisms? Do you I ever feel the need to go to therapy and talk talk about your trauma? I really don't. Uh-huh. You didn't seem like you had a lot of trauma growing up. I really up. didn't. Yeah. I really didn't, you that's know. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I was very, very fortunate with a really good friend group and a really good family. Yeah. So. It sounds like you had a really great family. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's finish off the interview with a couple of uh, rapid fire questions. So if you had to go visit a country you've never been to, what country would it be and why? Thailand. Thailand. Why? Definitely Thailand. Um, I had never thought that I wanted to visit um, any uh, countries over in Asia at all until I went um, on a trip to China for a month to help out at an orphanage for um, special needs children. Um, I went there for a month and, you know, fell in love just with, uh, you know, Eastern Eastern culture and Eastern culture, not in the tourist sense, but actually in, you know, Southern central China. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'd like to go visit other countries over in Asia to see what they're like. Well, you like Thai food. Do you like Thai food? I love Thai food. There you go. Yeah, that's great. I'd probably go to Russia because I, my, my master's is in Russian history and I just like Russian art and Russian literature and I would like to go to Russia. That's, that's my dream. A little cold for me. Uh, wait, in the summer, though, it's all sunlight and warm. Oh, okay. Kind of well, like I could, Alaska. I could deal with, with sunlight and warm. Yeah, yeah. Just go in the summer. Like, the World Cup's going to be there in a month. So everyone's going to love it because there's like three hours of darkness right now in the summer over there. Oh. So that's great. Okay, what was your favorite TV show? Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, do you have a favorite character from that show? I really like Ted because he's mm. a hopeless romantic. Mm. And, you know, he's he's really annoying most of the time. But, you know, what what he believes and how he believes love is is really sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you feel about the finale? Because in the finale, we find out that his mother was dies, right? Doesn't he meet her and then he ends up with yeah, Robin or Robin wife, dies? Or yeah, something? his wife ends up dying and then he ends up with Robin. Ends up and he's, Robin. the whole show is about him asking his kids for permission to date Robin. Uh, see, because I watched the first four or five seasons and then I stopped watching, so I didn't watch the mm-hmm. end. So did you, did you like the, the Barney... And uh, what's her name? Robin Sparkles. What's her character? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, the girl, the main girl. Did you believe that trying? Did you like that relationship or did you think no. she was always meant to be with no. Ted? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that. No. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't yeah. like that either. Okay. Uh, my favorite show. Yeah. That, that's like crickets. There's so many I can't think of. I, I'd say Friends. All right, let's just say friends. There we go. Do you have a favorite fan, friends character? Uh, favorite friends character. I always thought Phoebe was really funny, mm. but again, I liked Ross's character. Yes, there you go. Good answer. Right was, answer. Yeah, because he was, you know, kind of just dorky and really smart. He's you know? neurotic. Yes, yeah, exactly. But he is dorky, the paleontologist. Yes. Yeah, he was always my favorite character. I, I've I discussed this in a previous episode with. Uh, with Kate, who's the the co-founder of this website. And uh, she always liked Phoebe. And I was like, if I had to choose one of those characters Mm -hmm. never to see again, it'd be Phoebe. Because Phoebe, Mm -hmm. I always found annoying. Really? The ditzy thing, the the Regina Falange. She was like the one character the show didn't need, and it could still go forward. You you needed Monica. (laughs) She made the show funny. She did, but you needed needed Ross and Monica and Shane. Like, none of those could be replaced. Phoebe to me was what the one like of just like yeah. All right. Uh, last thing, favorite bands, favorite bands. Uh favorite band is probably Aerosmith. Ah, yeah. Or Queen. And, all I right, think let's Freddie talk, Mercury let, was a songwriting genius. Yeah, he was a he, well, in that voice. Mm-hmm, do you, exactly. Do you have a favorite Queen song? Um probably somebody to love. Yeah. Like all the remakes that have happened lately, like George Mike George Michael's my my god, they know so don't make fun of George Michael's version of somebody to love because I think it's very good. But I don't know if I've heard that. Oh that yeah, it's very famous. But yeah, no, somebody to love is probably my favorite Queen song too. Because mm-hmm. again, he's he shows off his range, the lyrics are great. It's a great song. Good choice. Because most people say Bohemian Rhapsody or We Will Rock You or one of the And those the are great, hates. but there are so many songs that I like so much better yeah, than Yeah, I agree. Those. I agree with you completely. Well, Heather, we want to 
thank you for coming on today. How did, how does it feel? Do you feel does it feel cathartic? Do you feel better? Does it, did. it did it feel good to talk about it? Because I know you definitely. had some reservations about it, which is understandable, of course. But do yeah. you feel good that you did it? I do. I'm glad I did it. Great, great. If any of you want to talk to Heather, because uh, you know I give the male perspective. If you if you, any of you are struggling and were formerly overweight or you're currently overweight and you want to talk to Heather about, it, just contact me through the website and I can get you in touch with her. Um, Anything else you want to mention? I don't think so. All right, guys. Until next time, take care and God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.